0: Welcome to another episode of the Speech and Repeat podcast today with Eugene
1: Boruchovich. Hi, Eugene. How are you doing? Good. That was, I think, the best pronunciation I have ever heard by uh, by a host of a podcast or any other interview that I've done. So kudos. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, I've asked you prior
0: to prior to actually saying a few words. So, but I mean, uh, you know, that's uh, we're gonna get to that. I mean, uh, we we both share a lot. Uh, well, a couple of things in common. Uh, among those is is languages uh and and i guess i'm kind of a little bit in an advantage here obviously to pronounce that name speaking also russian but i mean um hey i'm actually very happy that we're doing this so you know we always start the podcast in the same way obviously that we would like to know who is it that we're talking to um i mean we had a lot of interesting people here you are a very interesting person you've done a bunch of things and have like endless stories i i assume and uh, are doing something very, very interesting nowadays. Uh, and so basically kind of as the first thing for today, uh, please, you know, tell us where is it that you're coming from, uh, you know, how and how did you basically get where you are today?
1: Yeah. Um... Many anecdotes indeed, um, and for the for the listeners, because I know this is a podcast, uh, I've lost most of my hair at this point. Um, as, as you know, just just you know, kind of making my way through this. But um, I I self describe myself as either a uh, recovering executive or a recovering entrepreneur. Um, you know, I think some people sort of commit to growing within large organizations to quote unquote the top of the ladder. Uh, others are continuously serial entrepreneurs. Um, I do enjoy going from one to the other, in a sense, Um, and, you know, on one side kind of stepping on people's toes and challenging uh, some of the status quo in large organizations, Um, but I also love building um, kind of from zero to one and one to ten and beyond. So that's kind of me. I, I you know, joke around that I was born in tech. And so I've been in health and health tech for about uh, two decades now, uh, aging myself uh, at this point. Uh, started my journey you know, outside of health, uh, just purely in, in tech and spent some time in you know, financial industry uh, at a startup actually, um, and entertainment industry. I spent a little bit of time uh, at, at Viacom MTV. That was back, back, back in the day. Uh, but all of those were, you know, very technical roles, and I, you know, I landed into healthcare um, in a PBM industry. So for the listeners, it's pharmacy benefit management. It's an industry that only actually exists in the US. Uh, as for lack of a better term, a middleman uh, between the pharmaceutical companies and the end consumers. Um, and um, you know, I, I spent a whole. 10 years, there are a number of different roles. I uh, was originally hired for a very technical role back in the day, uh, but I think the other four, and I won't, you know, I'll, I'll let the mentors and 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 my my bosses at the time, uh, I really just pushed the envelope and finding white spaces within the company to look at what are the gaps and what teams need to be built in order to push us forward. Um, and so that's kind of what actually brought me over to Amsterdam. Uh, while I was there at, at a PBM, um, I actually did my executive MBA and uh, went to Meetup.com. Scott Heiferman's um, Meetup um, at the time when the whole Meetup, um, I'll, I'll say, was just bubbling up, and something hit me. There's a tech Meetup. Why isn't there a health tech Meetup? And so I started one. And uh, back in the day, in 2008, now. Um, and converted that to Health 2.0, which was a movement that started on the West Coast by Matthew Holt and Indus Subaya, and we were the second chapter. That got my entrepreneurship thing going and moving. Um, There was a guy who pitched on meeting number three, Dan Kogan, who is now one of my best friends, and once again, a business partner, your coach, but we uh, went on a journey building a doctorating service, ended up selling that as well. Gosh, uh, I can keep going, but uh, I'll fast forward. Um, you know that really lit my entrepreneurial bug, um, and because of my entrepreneurial spirit, I was one of the first few people for the large PBM uh, to actually take on a leadership role uh, in Amsterdam, where the headquarters was set up, uh, building a joint venture between a U.S. company and a German company. I joke around; it was an ugly baby to begin with. So lots of experiences there uh, in in those short two years. Um, we loved Amsterdam. We decided to stay as a family. Uh, and so I started another company uh, more in the consulting space, uh, grew that, and 18 months later ended up selling that to a larger consulting group where I came on board, driving their p as a healthcare vertical lead. Um, happened to sell some of the services to a big pharma company, Bayer. And uh, at the time the CIO asked me, uh, do you know anyone? you know, who can drive digital health. Um, My question was, what does digital health mean to you guys? Um, And it it was, you know, a bit of a hominomina. And And so I set on that journey and that was three and a half year journey in a big pharma. Um, That's where I really lost most of my hair. Um, And now joined um, my best half Marina in building a health coaching company and startup. So that's 20 years, 20 plus actually.
0: With with speeding up, obviously, and, uh, you know, uh, not telling us all of the all of the interesting, funny and uh, let's say horrible, horrible memories uh, that that you've uh, got on the way. So, um, you know, uh, kind of going chapter wise, uh, let's let's talk about, let's say, the differences that you encountered and let's say working in the US and, you know, the ecosystem there versus, let's say, Europe in Amsterdam. Um, and uh, let's say maybe Germany um, or the rest that, that you're familiar with, just like yep. this, right. What, what is kind of your your take on this?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, from a company perspective, I think while, you know, there are, oh, let's call it stereotypes in different countries, right, and different people, um I think every company DNA is different, and that company you know can be right next to each other somewhere here in New Jersey or elsewhere, right? So that's I just want to kind of level set on that. Um, it, it's funny you ask that question. Of I don't think I've ever actually said this sort of publicly, publicly, but people ask me like, so who do you, who is Eugene, right? Like who do you consider right uh, yourself as? And the way I kind of describe it uh, in my whole thing, uh, I feel that I have the European, Eastern European hustle right? Um, that's one. Um, growing up in US, um, kind of the, um, you know, the the dream, anything is possible. Um, that's, that's in me as well. So I, I typically tend to be very positive uh, as an individual. Um, I, um, you know, what I learned and picked up in five years from my Dutch uh, friends is really no BS. You know, a deal is a deal we'll shake on it, we'll figure out the rest. Uh, Really, I I love the no bullshit, right? Like just say it as it is. Um, I think I learned my promptness um, and um, actually I would say analytical skills from my friends in Germany, right? Um, And now I'm learning how to relax a little bit better in Barcelona, right? So, um, you know, kind of coming together. So, and and I think those were the experiences, right? If I look at, um, again, the us journey was a large corporate also right i think 60 billion in revenues um you know i was lucky enough um that when i joined new leadership joined to really push the company forward um and while some people were looking at this "holy crap new new chef in town i was the new guy right growing with this company and learning and had interactions with some of the leaders one of them is actually an investor in your coach still so That was one experience, right? Hop over to uh, the Netherlands um, where the headquarters was set up. It was a mix of two cultures. Um, So German culture and American culture coming together with a few individuals, right? that were dutch and so i learned quite a lot from that and the dna of a small quote-unquote startup small uh you know 250 million investment from both parent companies but small on the scale of 100 billion i learned a shitload there right and what 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 my own um limitations are as well which is also self-discovery you know the startups in between i you know we can spend more time on that but i think that's very different but so you know, in short, I think, again, I'm going to kind of go back to that individualism, um, and that people make their own path. And I, you know, I I think you actually said something like, you know, some of the bad experiences, I, I I can't say I've had bad experiences, like I look at bad experiences is honestly, like, holy crap, I can do this better next time, right? I can learn from, you know, this joint venture fell apart in less than two years, right? Um, And I'm like, Well, it could have crashed. And I could have been like, well, is it me? Is it not? Is it whoever? No, it was an amazing experience, really an eye opening experience on culture mesh, how to lead a company, how to, you know, how to say no to certain deals, how to walk away from certain things. So it was fascinating. I I hope I answered your question. But uh... that's,
0: that's a great mindset to have, uh, you know, at this stage, what I find interesting. So you said, you said, so 2016, when you were approached uh, by, by, let's say, Big Pharma, and then they asked you, like, do you know someone in digital health? And you asked them, you, you basically, you know, answer right back is, what is digital health for you? So, I mean, 2016, now it's 2021. Um, you know, that's, that's already quite some time, uh, speaking in tech, uh, speaking, let's say, uh, in a tech world, right? Lots of things have happened. Lots of things have been accelerated through, uh, let's say, the past uh, one and a half yep. years how do you describe the space from you know back in the days when you were at that point versus nowadays you know what has really changed you know mm-hmm. have we come far b- beyond basically the obvious one which is you know telehealth you know which which is uh you know yep. obviously with, with covid but let's say in all the other aspects speaking
1: no yep. yeah so uh you know i'll start with sort of my personal learnings right and again um um you know first of all uh, 2016 is when i started it was in june um the whole process the initial approach was like towards the end of 15 it took nine months to bring me in um that probably should have sent me a signal already how slow that moves. but i was excited for an opportunity for something that i've never ever done before right a running a uh, yes i was you know um at least tweeting a lot about digital health. And that's how I think I came up, um, work with startups, uh, all of that background. Sure, no doubt, right? But never ran a innovation team in a large uh, German-centric pharma company in a highly regulated environment. So I was excited for the opportunity. Um, I came with eyes wide open and with a mind map, um, you know, what we as a team will want to achieve. Um, on the way out, uh, I actually showed the team that the mind map that was there, um, we actually achieved minus, uh, you know, one item. Um, and, um, you know, I'll maybe I'll touch on that a little bit later. So I think it's back to the determination and having a vision coming into something and then trying to move the puzzle pieces along. To answer your, <laughs> so that's my personal journey. And I learned a lot in those three and a half years being inside a pharma company, um, I think, back to your comment um unfortunately and this is not unique to the company that you know that I was with i think any large organization is just highly politically driven um sometimes data even though it was a german organization data doesn't matter it's just feelings um and silos and budgets and and that's how some of the decisions are made so that was my biggest learning the second behind that is not enough uh, communication, communication, communication. Um, honestly, my, you know, my, my biggest learning out of that was that I made an assumption that just because myself and the team are all on social media, on LinkedIn, we're learning, we're sharing, we're conversing, that the rest of the hundred thousand people are as well that's not the case and so I think one of the key lessons for the entrepreneurs out there is that just like in a startup you got to keep gathering the crowd and getting people quote unquote excited about whatever that opportunity you're building let's switch to the from a purely um, space perspective so indeed you know five let's call it five years just to keep things simple um, evolve. I think digital health has matured with some call it sub-verticals, right? I think everything is still to a certain extent bundled in digital health, and I don't want to go into the description of it. But I think there's a couple of things that appeared. I think to your point, you know, we've got fast-forwarded, in a way, thanks to COVID, into this digital era, right? Everything had to be done digitally, so. From telehealth, which is I think here to stay, which volumes will drop, I am convinced of it, and already I think we're seeing that. But it's here to stay, including some of the reimbursements. Um, I think two, you know, if we talk about specifically pharma, you know, things like e-detailing for Salesforce was always on the agenda of everybody, but nobody was really incentivized to do it. Well, guess what? When COVID hit, they had to do it, right? And so lots of investments went into that. Remote patient monitoring you know, it's been around, there are some reimbursement codes, um, you know, all of this thing, no matter what country you look at, that's front and center now. Um, And then, you know, another one that's a near and dear topic to me is digital therapeutics, um, uh, which is, you know, for very sort of um, broad description is a software that can uh, help either manage, treat, or prevent the disease, right? Um, And that's in conjunction or without a drug and standalone. And I think this probably fast forwarded the industry as well because of self-help tools, especially in the mental health space. So FDA had a ruling to uh, let some of those companies, I'll call it in the wild. Again, I don't want to use the jargon in the industry, let it in the wild without a formal and full scientific FDA approval for a trial, right? And so I think those companies will benefit long-term because they've collected quite a lot of data out there. So those I think, the four uh, that would happen five years, um, specifically in pharma. I think there's still quite a lot of talk um, when it comes to, things like digital therapeutics. Um, I think for pharma, telemedicine is a new channel. They need to train those doctors and get in front of those docs, to talk about their drug and their medical device and all of that. Um, I think there's been tremendous amount of investments going into drug discovery, clinical trial optimization, meaning the core of the business model of pharma. And that's a no brainer to me. And that was five years ago, that just got expedited uh, even further. So I'll I'll pause here because I know for the listeners also a lot to sort of absorb, but I'll pause. I mean, you know, before we before we go into what you're you know doing right
0: now, as as you as you told me, 150 um, percent of the time. One question before that. I mean, you're building something now right but what is something i mean there's a a bunch of let's say sub verticals right uh in in digital health that one can go into and, and you just like talked about some of right now but like what would you say right now are some of the things where you see like an opportunity to build something right so i mean obviously one always has a bunch of ideas but you know everybody has ideas but let's say just speaking from let's say fields you know or kind of like specific business models or sort of say and they can be both right they can be things that need to go through to, through you know that need to be FDA approved or not right or something that can be just let's say you know can be a platform digitally enabled whatever it is what are some things where you say yep. okay if somebody wants to build something right now they should log into these things
1: yeah yeah so you know it, it's interesting um and and I personally never approach it from, here's a cool thing that we can build, right? Uh, it, there's absolutely room for the tech push and finding the market for a particular solution. Always that. And there's been great cases of that. I'm a very much of a big fan to understand where the hell is the white space. And so if we look at the value chain of a healthcare system, almost irrespective of which country it is, um, and I'm going to be almost, and I'll give some concrete examples, but I think there's just so many freaking things still broken, right? Um, I mean, let's start with, um, you know, we, yes, yeah, sure. We have Dr. Lib and many others, right? They're trying to find your care. It's still pretty young, especially in Europe as an industry, but it's still not solved, right? And again, there's vested interest, there's other things, you know, getting things to your door, um, you know, how do you take care of individuals at home, right? And not just send, sending them with a device, right? Um, and let's hope something makes into the system. So, if you break down the process and things that pain you as an individual or your family members, it's there for fixing. There are so many things to fix, right? So, I just want to say that broadly. Um, I am personally very bullish, and I think you know again, COVID um, exasperated and brought to light mental health uh, challenges that honestly, every single individual, I, if, if somebody says I've never had uh, a, you know, a small anxiety attack or I've never felt just anxious in general, non-clinically, they're lying. We're all humans, we're all individuals um, and, and we need it. And I think what that expedited, and this is back to kind of my key thesis is I'm very, very bullish in, the, in let's call it discovery of our brain, right? Uh, because at the end of the day, um, we all, you know, my, you know what, what's the old saying, mind, mind over matter, right? Um, and I think it's, we, we're getting enough science now. And so I am bullish on digital therapies that impact your brain directly. And again, the perfect example and shout out to Eddie Martucci at Akili, who, I mean, who would have thought eight, nine years ago when he had the vision of designing a clinically validated uh, treatment for ADHD. Um, and, and adolescents via a video game. I mean, what the heck, right? And so um, I'm sort of, and, and the same with, you know, brand Vaughan and Cognito, um, that's a, that's another one that's tackling Alzheimer's. So I'm very, very bullish on on sort of the neurological because also if you look at the pharma pipeline, you know, especially like Alzheimer's and, and Parkinson's, uh, there's been many molecular failures uh, or learnings, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, Failures from a from a spending money perspective, but um, and so I think there's there's room for that. Um, um, I I also think that the there's still room, and I'll talk about it more. Um, you know, we we all as human beings have you know we're typically pre chronic or or worried well, right? So we're we're well, then we're worried well. We all are some some way pre chronic, um, and then fortunately. Or unfortunately, uh, mainly, unfortunately, we all become chronic, chronically ill patients. Um, um, And, and by the way, I think, um, you know, ageism and longevity, or, you know, it's one of the hot topics, but I think also needs to be unpacked. What does that mean? So um, in, you know, I want to summarize for the, for the viewers. Look at your own process of going to the doc or getting a diagnosis, God forbid, or, fighting through that and there's many things are broken pick one and tackle it that's one neurodegenerative diseases and software therapies is where I'm bullish on Um, three I think there needs to be plug and play into the telemedicine infrastructure as far as I'll call it content so I think our friends at Heal Capital call it um, in Germany um, Vimpros virtually integrated patient solution, something, but it's, hey, pick a segment of population, focus on how to service them the best possible, and then you probably have an exit or sale into the telemedicine world or some kind of primary care system. Uh, um, Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll pause here because I can keep going. I I guess you've done the right, uh,
0: let's say, the same approach with your coach, the company that you're building right now. Let's start
1: at the beginning. What's the story behind your you know, back to and this is why I love uh, health and health care as an industry. I think most of the founders have a personal story. And absolutely, no offense, I love the Revoluts and other gadgets and tools and and the great products. Um, there's nothing that extracts me and says, "Hey, I want to go back out of the healthcare industry." I, uh, ne- you know, never say never, but I just don't see myself exiting. And the background on this, actually, Marina, my wife, who is the CEO and founder of your coach. Um, while we were living in Amsterdam, went through a breast cancer journey, um, and um, you know, luckily it's all well. She's now seven years clean, um, and um, you know, luck happens that we've also lived in Amsterdam, right? And had great insurance, great system, um, uh, great, um, great hospital ABL. So you know, shout out to Anthony von. Ooh, I can never pronounce it, so I, I won't, uh, A-V-L. Um, and um, and to this day, you know, Marina goes back for her yearly exams, not because we don't have the capability in Barcelona or Dusseldorf, just you feel the comfort level there. Coming out of that, while the docs did their thing, as she describes it, she realized that she was trying to hack her body back to health, not, not only physically, but mentally and kind of more holistically, right? Um so she went to get a, um, um, a kind of health coaching education. It was an online one-year program to kind of formalize, for lack of a better term, how she hacks her own health, right? Um, and then all of a sudden, she has a one client and two clients, and as she kind of describes it, you know, like, like I told the one, you can't manage this on a piece of paper. You need a platform. So she actually approached my old partner in, in the startup business and a good friend, Dan, to say, hey, build me a toy, for lack of a better term to practice my, you know, to run my own practice. We looked in the market. There were there a few companies out there, but they've been around already and we couldn't find anything that's modern enough. So over the course of 2019, she basically went out to build an MVP for herself. Um, and then we quickly realized that health coaching, which I purposely left separately as one of the things that we're looking at, um, Health coaching is one of those industries that have been mirrored with kind of of cuckoo voodoo science, but has been around for 20 plus years now. And only in the last, let's call it five years, been bringing some legitimacy to this field. And I can go deeper into why and what. Um, But towards the end of 2019, there was a new what um, they're called in U.S. level three reimbursement codes, so CPT codes that were issued by the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaching, which is a nonprofit organization working with the American Medical Association and others, and defining a health coach as a key member of a clinical team, so non-clinical member of a clinical team, um, I'm sure that will variate and change, but the point is there's now legitimacy in this process. So that's kind of, um, so what we realized what Marina has built initially, and we started scaling is, um, you know, a, a platform for coaches to manage their business. It's very much of a gig economy um, type of uh, type of profession that, um, you know, we have everyone from retired docs and Uh, you know, nurses that quit that don't feel that they can help in the system anymore. You know, young professionals, there's over a hundred schools that have a health coaching program now uh, in US alone. So it's a field that's coming and legitimized. Um, And so we also realized then, well, there's an amazing amount of N equals one relationships that are happening on the platform. And so how do we actually help these coaches build their businesses, right? Um, And so what we realized is that both algorithmically and very much de-identify we are just you know go on record we did not sell the data this is not the model um we identify coaches and i don't like using the word good because every individual is good it's the right match it's a relationship culture right um and which coaches are great for what type of individuals and then we're actually going to market and we have over a thousand people in the waiting list now uh, to be matched to a coach um, and we also have uh, onboarding small and medium-sized businesses um, that are looking to help their employees back to what we talked about earlier right uh, you know meant everything mental health cetera, and and just getting what is that mix right of work-life balance how do you get out in the world how do you communicate now that you're out of your garage or office or whatever Um, And and the time of kind of the great resignation now, uh, which is pretty insane. So again, pause here, lots to unwind. Absolutely. So it's a fully, let's say, fully digital engagement between client
0: and coach, right?
1: Yep. It's, you know, we we don't, you know, it's a bit of a marketplace model. So, um, you know, I I don't like using, um, you know, the Uberization of health coaches as the example. But at the end of the day, we've given them a platform to run their own business. And yeah. we've given them a community to share because this is also about case sharing and things like that and understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's many specialties, right? So they can sort of work together on a particular client and help their client along. And we're providing them additional uh, revenue stream and work um, as we're approaching our
0: clientele. You know, what's super interesting is actually, I think within what you just, you, you used a, a, a very funny way of describing the space. Uh, of health coaches is in general I think in this entire like you know um, non-clinical health slash wellness space I I think there's so much impact that like you know people can have that are operating in that space it's insane and also from let's say from a business perspective the the barriers to entry are way lower right because you don't like you don't have these let's say high regulations for things you know etc and it's like I think there's still like so many, just in that space alone, there's so many different opportunities that that can be tackled, right? It's it's, it's unbelievable. But but our
1: big hypothesis is exactly, you know, because it's a bit of a wild, wild west, and thanks to the National Board of Health and Wellness Coaches and other parties that are driving the the level of qualification, standardization to this, um, you know, to be honest, to be reimbursed, you need to be... um, a nationally board certified coach. But you know our, our hypothesis also is that just because you went to school A that's not accredited, that doesn't mean that you have great skills and in motivational interviewing and you've learned that process and you're self-taught and all of that. Can we help identify algorithmically those great coaches and maybe help them move to a school that is accredited, maybe help them get their certification with the national board and to fill that Sort of labor shortage that we have in the doctor nurses uh, because look a doc has eight minutes to talk to you a nurse is spread across 27 patients and i'm making up these numbers right um, but and not to say the coaches have hours and hours but i think this is where you can get a, a bit and we're starting to see doctors working with coaches uh, especially in us um, quite heavily um, so that's you know kind of a testament to the profession and and truly being science back now right there's quite a lot of clinical trials as well ongoing with and without a coach
0: yeah absolutely i think uh, you know another one a big one is so uh, something that i've looked into deeply as well isn't it like the space of nutrition right it's like um, if you think about it like where do people get nutrition advice from right and the problem is that like actually so i i, I talked to a friend of mine and she's uh, so she's uh, doing, uh, uh, she studied nutrition in, in, in Berkeley and in, in Columbia, and now she's doing her, uh, she's gonna do her MD. And she says like, I'm doing this because that is going to be the best option for me to treat people, people. Uh, you know, I need to be a doctor in order to then treat people with my knowledge of nutrition, you know? And that's the yeah. problem because like doctors, uh, oftentimes, I mean, they don't have the, the deep knowledge, right? Or the, the expertise. Uh, look to the alternative in in nutrition right and and that's and that's the big problem of when it comes to nutrition within
1: the system yep yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's interesting that your friend is going the doctor out, right? Um, and, and kind of what we said, because people, you know, and I'd be curious, uh, you know, what do you think of when you think of health coaching, right? Uh, but the answers I get is, oh, it's my fitness instructor or it is a nutritionist, right? And the way we describe this and, you know, to a certain extent, we're, we're obviously working, um, you know, closely to sort of push the industry forward. You know, a a health and wellness coach, as it's defined by the national board, and I'll paraphrase, but it's an individual that will help you understand your own goals and and health vision, will help you set the right goals to achieve that, and will hold you accountable to it. It's not prescriptive, right? And so we kind of say with this health coaching certification, um, a health coach, a health and wellness coach, is not necessarily a dietitian or nutritionist, but a nutritionist and/or dietitian, or and fitness instructor, and/or nurse and/or doctor can be a health and wellness certified coach, right? And so, combining um, you know multidisciplinary talents um, is where it's going to be at, right? So. So, so
0: you believe that kind of like one person filling all these uh, different fields or let's say kind of like having, um, I mean, you know, having somebody that knows nutrition very well. I, okay, let's put two, two things together, right? So somebody that let's say is a fitness coach, right? Ultimately, like if you're, if you're fit, Right. You stumble upon nutrition, right? You also figure nutrition out, right? So you 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 start to think about nutrition. You start to read up on nutrition. Obviously, that doesn't make you an expert, but I mean, to you can get a, a certification or whatever, right? But I mean, there's also other things, right? I would um, so personally speaking, you asked me like, what what, what do I think of health coach, right? I, I thought about like the definition of health in general. Like, there's physical health, but I think that mental health. So for me, for example, sports. Is a, has a lot to do with, uh, with mental health, no. right? Yep. It's like, I, if I do sports, it has, it's like, it has such a big impact on, on, on my mental health that I, I cannot even describe it. It's, it's insane, right? And yep. so I think that's another one, right? Uh, and the same goes with nutrition, right? Nutrition has also an impact on mental health, right? So yep. it's, it's, a, it's a very, there's multiple factors to that. It's not just linear, right? It's not just like one thing. It's not just doing
1: sports, for example, right? But, you know, it, it's interesting, this gets into kind of how do you even set the goals, etc. And I'll just use the, you know, maybe a very concrete example. Um, you can set a your wellness vision to say, uh, you know, my girls are 18 and 19, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be able to be in my best happy shape, um, you know, at their wedding, right? And that might be five or 10 years away, but I want to be there. Well, that's a high kind of level goal, but then how do you, but that's something that's concrete and achievable from that perspective. Well, let's back up. Um, It's not about losing weight. It might be, um, you know, I just actually set a goal with my older one who pushed me and said, by Thanksgiving here, pops, can you run 10 K? Right. And so I'm now training for it because I set a goal, you know, the original goal where we talked about, well, how, to your point, well, how do I get to the 10K? It's the combination of this nutrition and all of that, right? And so I'm doing, you know, levels health for for my glucose measurement. I'm looking at Zoe for gut health and other things, right? And those have become individual sub goals uh, and maybe shorter term goals. And that's what a health coach is there to help you understand and extract your intrinsic motivation ultimately. Because every individual out there um, has motivation it just needs to be extracted and intrinsically right yeah that's that's perfectly put
0: hey uh, you know the thing is we're running out of time and i still want to uh, like i still want to get something uh, uh on a specific note from you sure um, so uh there's been news this week that uh, google is um is getting out of health uh, or kind of you know breaking breaking down their operations, moving, moving people to other areas, same, um, -hmm. I guess for Apple. Um, so, and funny thing is though, um, I mean, I I read this, um, detailed article not long ago about Apple's patients and all these things. So what's, what's your take on this? What's your comment?
1: My short version is, um, I would almost equate this to the pharma as an example. What is the core business? And so if we take core business of Google, I don't care how many projects they got, the core business is advertising. That to me is really the answer. Now, I think, um, you know, if I look at some of the giants and I was on with, uh, in New York uh, last week with a gentleman called Glenn Tolman, who took a company called Lavanga Public and now building another one, he was asked by the same question. And I, I fully, fully agree, I think, there are You can look at some of these as large employers that were trying to optimize uh, for themselves, right? And he can use the example of Haven. You can lose a, uh, look at Google that, well, they know what the hell people are searching for. How do they really entrench themselves? How do they monetize this ultimately to make a huge, at the end of the day, huge impact, yes, to the society in a positive way, but also to their top and bottom line, right? Um, They're for-profit businesses and the core business model if I look at pharma, uh, just to parallel, right? Like there has been so many efforts, right? Let's use on Duo actually. I think that was a partnership, right? With Sanofi and a tech giant um, um, that kind of fell apart too because at the end of the day, a core business model of a pharma company is a small or large molecule, right? And so, um, and back to Google, that's that. For Apple, you know, one would argue it's still device eco software ecosystem right and i don't know the breakdown on where they make money um at the moment but i i'm I'm, i still wouldn't necessarily write them off let's put it that way i think there's a lot of especially in healthcare saying oh you know they're done again it's too hard um you know they're realizing healthcare is too hard yes it's complex and what we talked about 20 minutes ago there's many issues to be solved um i think ultimately um my personal vision of um kind of 10 years down the line is that biotech and digitech will come together uh i i think there is not one without the other and um and we'll we'll see
0: uh, what if tech buys bio so what if let's say you know what like there's another player amazon right i mean they, they also have a bunch of things going on right lots of uh, uh let's yep. say, secret projects going on what if like i mean you know, Amazon bought, bought uh, Whole Foods, right? What if uh, yep. Amazon buys a, a big bio company?
1: Uh, agreed. And I think this is back to uh, how they're, you know, if you think about GE, if you we weren't back, right? Uh, they were a huge conglomerate. I can see Amazon having, you know, a huge conglomerate globally with multiple divisions. I mean, look at Google, their investment arm is investing in biotech companies, right? So um, again, I think it's, um, th- there's a, this veneer of discussions that, oh, look, they failed. Um, At the end of the day, there are financial ROI, there's financial investments there's strategic investments. And I think they will all continue making financial investments, right, between their venture funds and and efforts. Um, And some of them will continue trying more strategically and see what the impact they can have on that end consumer uh, but I, you know, I think there's just too much entrenched across. I mean, Apple is doing so many clinical trials, right, with pharmaceutical companies and others because they found, guess what, through, um, through the great iPhone, there's a good enrollment, right? I, I forget the, the tool names. So they will continue being in health. Uh, how important where it is on their investment thesis um, will vary over the course of the next decades to come. Um, I, I'm convinced of that.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. Hey, uh, Eugene, thanks a lot for being on the show. It was really interesting having you here. It was a pleasure.
1: Pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.